Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. This podcast is for leaders in the social sector like you who want to make a difference. Each episode is packed with practical ideas on how you can be more innovative and create an even bigger social impact. We share our ideas on what you can do and also speak to leaders from the sector to share best practice. So let's get into it and let's talk impact. Hello, welcome to another episode. Dan Bentley here and also Tracy Newman from Impacto Consulting. Today we're joined by Ortel Green from Glittering Minds and Ortel's going to tell us a little bit about how she is helping kids around Australia and possibly soon around the world to learn how to innovate. So welcome to the show, Ortel. Hi, Dan and Tracy. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here with both of you. No worries. We've known Audel for a long time. We actually worked together in a, in a past life in a, another organization, but we've stayed in touch and we've been loving hearing and on LinkedIn and, and a number of other different areas, just the awesome stuff that you're doing around teaching the, the next generation around how to be more innovative and, and use you know, tools such as design thinking. Let's get into it. Can you tell us a little bit about what is Glittering Minds and, and, and who are you? So I'm a design thinker, love design thinking and the way it helps come up with innovative solution to problems. I also a mom to three boys. As they were going through school, I was curious to see what they're learning at school, what is their experience like? So I volunteered at school, I spent time in the classroom, I was very interested in the homework they brought home. And I realized there is a gap between where the education system is now in terms of what skills are being developed at school today versus where they need to be or what kind of skills they need to develop to be successful in the 21st century. As Probably many people are aware with the technological innovation, with AI and machine learning and automation, the future of work is changing. The type of jobs that we're doing is changing. And therefore, the type of skills that we need to succeed and thrive are changing too. Many of the tasks we used to do for many years are now being done by computers. And this trend will only continue to grow. And I noticed that the school skills like creative thinking, collaboration, empathy, innovation are not being taught and developed. And I thought, okay, I have to do something about it. I have to bridge that gap. And naturally, I thought about design thinking because learning and practicing design thinking basically develop all these essential skills uh, that I mentioned before. And I thought I have to give it a go. And so I started by creating a workshop for kids which I ran at a school's holiday program for primary school children. And the children loved it because it has everything they enjoy doing. They were able to bring their creative thinking without any limitation to create a prototype that they can share. So seeing their reaction to design thinking, I thought, okay, it's time to take it to primary schools now and turn it into a full program. So I did that. I piloted it at one school and it was really awesome. And then I started to work with two other schools. Everything was going really great. The children loved it. And one thing that came out of, out of the engagement with teachers and, and students that was a surprise, a lovely surprise for me was the impact on teachers as well. Because teachers actually told me, you know what? It's not only shifted the students' mindset, it shifted my mindset as well. And the way I look to design any lesson which I ran. So it hasn't only changed how they teach projects. It changed how they teach math, how they encourage the, the children to look at, at the problem in math from different angles. It changed how they approach dealing with behavioral issues in the classroom. So it was really wonderful. And then just when everything was going really great, COVID hit us. <laughs> 
And as you know, in Victoria, uh, schools uh, were shut down and um, I had to think, okay, what am I, what am I going to do now? How can I still deliver on my vision and purpose with this obstacle? And as you know, obstacle is an opportunity to come up with innovative solutions. And so I spent that time firstly writing a book called Think Unique that helps give teachers the tools, strategies, and way to turn their classroom into innovative environment. And I also transformed the delivery model of the program I prepared for school to be consumed online and remotely. So it's actually been kind of a blessing because now I can reach any school around the globe. That's quite exciting. I have to say, I took part in delivering one of those school holiday sessions that you created. And it's amazing the innovations that the kids come up with and how free they are in their thinking. You know, like you don't have to encourage them to think outside the lines. Like they were so creative and the prototypes that they made, they were so enthusiastic about it. Like versus when you're, you know, when you're teaching this to adults, they've got so many constraints in terms of what they see as possible. So I can see how actually starting like young people to think about design thinking and incorporate that from a young age can have really amazing long-term benefits for the community. Yeah, definitely. And uh, seeing uh, different projects that ran at school uh, using design thinking, they have amazing results, not only in terms of the skills that children develop, it also empowers them. It provides them with a voice and empowers them to know that they can drive a change for example, we had one project which we ran in, in children in year four, which are nine and 10 years old, where they looked into how might we design suitable school uniform. And they explored, they interviewed their parents, their peers, the teachers, the principal, looked at many different point of views. And out of that, they realized that all of them say that, that we need to have more winter uniform. We need to have beanies and gloves and scarves. So they actually created a beanie, and this beanie is actually part of the school uniform now. So they actually created a change within the school, which is very powerful. And so I think it's much more than that, because these children will grow up to learn that they can change things. They don't have to just agree or accept what's going on if they want to make a change. They know that they can do it. It's not just that they can change things, but that they can bring all of those different perspectives together. Because I'm sure that the things that the students designed for their own uniform absolutely met their needs. But, you know, talking to parents and schools and and understanding not just a situation from their own perspective, but being able to bring all those other different perspectives in as well, like that's really important for change making. Definitely. And and there is another project which I want to share with you because the audience will probably relate to. Again, with the same group of children, it was how might we connect different generations within our communities? They actually learned a lot about what it means to be an older person. They learn about the loneliness. They learn about their life in the nursing home. They interview their grandparents and their parents to realize how things change throughout time and, and the role older people play in the society in olden time versus today and what they would like to be, how they would like to to participate in our community. And as part of that, they went to visit a nursing home near their school. And they were quite nervous about meeting older people because most of them haven't met older people outside of their immediate family. And they weren't sure how it's going to be, the interaction, etc. But when they got to the nursing home, they interviewed the people in the nursing home and they 
quite immediately develop such a lovely relationship with them and, and empathy and learn about their life and how their childhood was. And when we left the nursing home, they just can't wait to go back. <laughs> uh, just from that short visit and interviewing and open your mind to connect with someone else, it just creates so much change. And they continue working on this project. And as a result, they actually created a program where they visit in the nursing home and, and playing with a resident. They spend a lot of time thinking, okay, what kind of activities can we do with them? What are their capabilities? They learn about the difficulties that older people have in terms of physical capabilities, etc. And then we came back and they play different games with them. And it was lovely to see that interaction, how 80 and 90-year-old people connect so deeply with nine years old that you know, they just met and they developed quickly such a lovely relationship. And they were planning to do it every year. But then again, COVID prevented that from happening. But you're right, regarding that empathy, it's so uh, powerful. Especially in that space, you know, we just all know um, how disrupted the school system has been on, on and off again. I'm sure it's been quite hard for you to be able to get back in there, but you have been able to get back in there in some in some way. Is that is that right? So last year, schools hardly operated after the end of March. But this year, the beginning of the year, it seems like we're going to have a relatively normal year. I was very hopeful. <laughs> and I uh, went back to schools and they consumed the program in the new format where they can um, consume it remotely. And it worked really well. It's great that I got a chance to try this new delivery model. But then again, the disruption started and, and it's really difficult for teachers to operate in this way, they're kind of on a survival mode at the moment with all the lockdowns. So it's not really the right mindset to bring something new into the school. Yeah, that makes sense. So in, in general times then when it's not in this time, how long do you get to spend with these kids? I mean, it sounds like you've almost run a little pro a couple of little projects with them. So that's probably over more than one workshop, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, definitely. During all of 2019, actually, I spent most of the year at school. I co-designed the program with the students and the teachers, basically, learning through, you know, working with them on different aspects of design thinking. And I loved it. I just love the experience of being there in the classroom because, as Tracy said, I mean, children are amazing with their imagination, creative thinking. It's limitless. They're still not fixed in the way of thinking. So the ideas they come up with and their innovation is just amazing. It blows my mind. <laughs> That's so cool. And you mentioned a few skills that you're trying to get this, you know, get into the system, such as like, you know, empathy and collaboration. But is there anything in particular that you see as the biggest gap that really, you know, since you've been in there working there, you're like, you know what, this is the one thing our society needs the most and that the system currently is just not producing that? It will be difficult for me to choose one. Obviously, creative thinking is not developed at school at all, um, quite the opposite. The way most schools operate actually suppress creative and innovative thinking. But collaboration and resilience are, and empathy are also very crucial. And it's also something that I see Greater Your Minds program really helps children develop it. For example, feedback is a really big thing in design thinking, right? You have to get feedback from others on your ideas, on the product you want to create. The whole thing is, is continuous feedback loop that helps you improve your product. And so initially you see the children not really pleased about getting feedback, to say the least. <laughs> They take it as if it's a personal attack in some way, as if, oh no, I've done something wrong. Oh, 
I'm not good at it. Where actually, you know, it's the opposite way, right? It helps you grow. So as you see them progress along the program, they realize at some point that actually feedback is beneficial for them. And actually getting feedback from others is what helps them create a better product, a better uh, end solution. And so they start seeking this feedback and teachers used to tell me, said, wow, you know what? Even in literacy, suddenly they come into me for feedback on what they've written. They're not settling anymore on the first draft they wrote and that's it. They realize that it's a process that you need to keep uh, getting feedback and improve. It's not just the creating the first thing that came to your mind and that's it. And, and they embrace feedback. So I think that's a really great change and beneficial for them throughout their life because we all get in feedback all the time. And if we take it as a personal attack, it's not really a pleasant experience to say the least. What an awesome skill to be learning at such a young age. I guess it kind of depends on our upbringing and, you know, what, what institutions were a part of growing up, whether you do take that on board. But, you know, a lot of people do start to really learn about how to give and receive feedback when they enter a workplace. You could be 18 years old or something uh, and you, or even, you know, before that potentially, but, you know, someone just says, hang on, you're not doing that job right. And, and I think a lot of people do take that as an offense, right? So just so great. These young kids are getting this opportunity to see the value in feedback because like you said, it's, it just makes things better. It's a part of life, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. It will make their life better and definitely will take them to further places. Because if you are open to feedback, it means you're open to grow and improve yourself personally and professionally. And then the sky's the limit. <laughs> That's so true, isn't it? It's such an important part of learning and, you know, such an important part of improving in skills. And that's one of the other things that they say is going to be really important for people into the future, that ability to learn and adapt. And so, you know, being able to sort of get that feedback, take it on board and then implement that into the ways that you're working and the ways that you're doing things can be so such an important skill for the future too. For sure. I mean, based on the uh, pace of changes, we all need to keep learning all the time. <laughs> learn and learn, relearn. All of that is a big part of our life. Are you looking for innovative ways for your organisation to deliver more impact? Take our online assessment and receive a customised report in your inbox that highlights exactly what to do next. It takes only five minutes to fill out and it's completely free. Visit Impacto Consulting dot com dot au slash self-assessment you mentioned that you wrote a book during your time when you weren't working in schools what's the book about and who's the book for yeah sure the book is called think unique and it's basically a comprehensive guide for teachers that enables them to create tomorrow's innovators in their classroom it helps them understand, firstly, what is creative thinking, what is innovative, why it is so needed, and break a few misconceptions about creative thinking. And then it provides them with uh, strategies, tools, and activities to facilitate within their classroom in order to create that innovative culture, that innovative environment. One example is you have to create a safe environment. Children need to know that when they bring their unique ideas, when they bring their thinking, that no one will judge them. No one will say, that's a ridiculous idea. It's so silly. If you share your ideas and then you get criticized, the impact of that can be that you stop participating in the discussion altogether. And often you see adults, which probably 
experience such a thing as children. So when they grow up within the working environment or wherever it is, they just choose not to share the ideas from the fear that someone might judge them, say it's ridiculous or silly. In a meeting in the corporate uh, world, for example, no one wants to have a finger pointed at him saying, oh, that's the stupidest idea I ever heard. <laughs> so this book really uh, gives teachers everything they need in order to create that environment within their classroom. We see that all the time because we do a lot of work with organisational transformation and, and are really replicating what you do in the classroom within organisations in terms of setting up the right conditions for them to innovate. And absolutely, you know, we see how important that safety is. But also, I guess we get to see some of the the impacts of people who, you know, potentially have had that happen to them when they're younger, and they're really reluctant to share their ideas. And quite often, it's such a shame, because they're the people, you know, often those sort of quiet people, and then they, they come out and they say something, and you're like, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> Why don't you share stuff more often? You have the best ideas. So it's great to see that 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 recognition is happening at a younger age and and the ability to set up those environments is happening because that also gives people the experience of knowing how to participate in a safe environment. So not only do they feel confident putting their ideas forward, but they know how important it is to be respectful of other people's ideas and how that's going to make a much more creative and impactful environment. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's great that you're working with uh, adults and helping them come out of their shell (laughs) and kind of overcome this fear and develop that confidence to put their ideas forward because we're missing their voice, right? We're missing on all the wonderful ideas that people are not sharing. And that's um, everyone's loss. It really is, yeah. We all miss out because we don't get to experience the amazing contributions that, that these people could be putting forward. Yeah. You said as well that you had a, a tool that you were wanting to share with everybody. Did you want to just talk a little bit about what that is and, and how that all sort of ties together with what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the obstacles I see for innovative thinking is habitual thinking. So as humans, we usually develop habit and pattern of thinking. And we also use to a specific status quo, right? This is how things are working. This is how things are done. And in order to think creatively and innovate, you need to break that type of thinking. So there are four different questions that can help people break out of these limitations. One of them is, what if we repurpose? What if we take an existing thing and use it for a different purpose? Or if we have a problem, what can we use that exists already to solve a problem? And you can take everyday object and and use it differently. One simple example is, I need to reach for further up in the cupboard. I don't have a ladder, but hey, why don't I use my chair or maybe a table for that purpose? So it can be a really simple thing and it can get really complex. But the main thing is to break that thinking that this object is designed to use for a specific purpose. You can actually use it for many different purposes. The other question is, uh, what if we merge different things together to create something new? What if we merge things that seems completely unrelated to each other? I mean, this is, for example, how the printed, printing press was invata- invented by uh, Gutenberg. So it took the idea of how wine is created by pressing grapes and how coins are created. And from that, it created a machine 
printing press. And it actually re revolutionized the whole world. And there are many more examples on how two things which are seeming not related to each other being merged together into something beautiful, like a smartphone and a camera, right? There used to be different products. Now we can't think of having a phone without a camera. <laughs> so merging is another way to develop your creative thinking. A third way would be how might we improve an existing uh, product or service? So breaking the product or the service to the different component and think, what can I remove? What can I add? What is essential? What is not essential? Can I make something larger, smaller? So playing with the different parts and, and making changes. An example everyone will be familiar with is the checkout process at the supermarket, which has changed recently. Instead of having to go through a cashier, now you can do it yourself. This is something that the supermarket looked at the whole process of shopping at the supermarket and paying for your grocery and thought, okay, what if we change that part? What if we'll make it a bit different? That's just one simple ex example of what you can do when you open your mind to improving, to breaking a product or a service into the different components and thinking, starting to play with it. The last thing is, what if there is new ways to do it? So this is even taking a step back and thinking about the concept. If you're thinking about a service, what is the concept behind it? And then who is delivering it? Who is consuming it? What are the pain points? Uh, what are the assumptions and limitations that we can remove? And a few examples for that can be uh, Uber. Most of us used taxis before and we know how it used to work. But then when Uber invented by thinking, okay, what is the concept here? And what if we change it? What if someone else is going to deliver it? What if no one will control it? It won't be controlled by one particular company. This type of thinking where you take a concept and really shift your thinking about how it is delivered, what are the assumptions that I have that I can break away from or the limitation and how it can be consumed differently, that really helps you coming up with new concepts altogether, which sometimes disrupt the whole world. <laughs> Yeah, I love that idea of, you know, what are the assumptions? I think there are many, many different examples that you see, but like a restaurant, for example, there's an assumption that, that you have a menu and that people choose their food. Whereas now you see that these uh, feed me options are becoming more popular where somebody, you know, would just walk in and the restaurant will provide food and, you know, maybe ask some questions about what sort of things you like, what don't you like? And then the, the chef can just be really creative and, you know, make all sorts of things and, and bring them out to the table. So yeah, because we have so many assumptions and when you start playing with them, you can end up with something that is quite different and quite unique, but it's not a massive departure from the way things used to work as well. Yeah, for sure. Our assumption often limiting us and, and, Sometimes we're not aware of these assumptions. <laughs> and that's the first part, to be aware of what are assumptions? What are we bringing to the table without, without even being aware of? We all are a result of our specific and unique upbringing, our gender, our culture, our religion, many things. And all of that together create a lot of assumptions within our mind without us being aware to it. So the first step is to kind of explore, okay, what assumption am I bringing? 
Yeah, our brains are very good at creating shortcuts for us so that we don't have to think about every little thing because obviously there's so much stimulation in the world. It's important that our brain is good at filtering information and, you know, creating mental shortcuts. But sometimes we just don't notice things. We, we quite often don't notice things at all that we're so used to seeing. You know, you have that experience where, you know, you might drive your car home from work and you're like, you get there and you're like, I don't even remember driving here. And it's just that that piece where your brain filters out information that's not important. But if you actually take the time and notice all of those things and think about them in that creative way, I love that that there's so many new and different opportunities that can arise. Absolutely. Our brain are actually quite lazy. <laughs> so when it can take the shortcut, it will take the shortcut. And that leads, as you said, to not paying attention, not realizing what's going around you. So we need to be very vigilant and keep an eye on our brain. <laughs> For example, I've just been fighting off my brain trying to think about feed me restaurants the whole time <laughs> since Tracy mentioned it about two, two minutes ago, trying to stay present in the conversation. I just had breakfast and it's starting to make me hungry. So... <laughs> can totally relate to that. Hey, so Audel, I think you've got a resource for the people that are listening that we're going to put in the show notes. So if you liked Audel's uh, four questions, I think the she's created a resource that you can um, have a look at online and we'll put the link to that in the show notes. So Audel, if people want to know more or they want to even just get a copy of the book or get in contact with you to start a conversation and, and see if your program might be able to help them in some way, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure, I would love uh, for people to reach out. I'm always enjoying having a conversation and meeting someone new. And if I can help, that's a great bonus. So one way is through LinkedIn. Another one, I can share my um, calendar and people can just book a session with me, a one-on-one -on -one session, and we can have a chat. Great. Can they find that through your website, that calendar link? Yes, they can. Awesome. What we might do is we might put a link to the resource that you've just talked about. Can we put a link to your book as well? Is there yeah, somewhere? Sure. Yeah, people that, can buy that on somewhere. Yeah. yeah, we'll do that. We'll also put a link to your website where they can and book in a meeting and your contact details too so that people can get in touch. So all that's going to be in the show notes, everyone. If you just want to have a look at that after you've had a listen, you'll be able to access those links there. So, Audel, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great. Like we said at the start, we get to hear about this a lot, but I learned personally a lot about more detail around what you're doing and it's a really amazing thing that i think you know right now australians are getting a lot out of this work that you're doing because i think you're really setting these kids up for the future and for success and you know soon it looks like you're also looking to see how you can do this more than inside australia and take it around the world so very exciting times amazing work huge impact thanks so much for taking some time out of your busy day to speak with us Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed having this conversation and I hope we gave other people some tools into how they can develop their own innovative thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks so much. Cheers, Otto. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.